Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Now, Isaiah is not necessarily territory that we deal with a lot around here. And it's actually a challenging portion of Scripture. If you've been around a refuge for any amount of time, you know that we deal with the lectionary and the liturgical calendar, which means that we follow daily and weekly readings of Scripture. And there are readings that have been assigned in a three-year cycle for today. So on this day, October 4th, there are four readings. There's an Old Testament, a New Testament, a Gospel reading, and a Psalm reading. Pastor Sean already read a psalm reading today, and I love the words of Psalm 11, that God is righteous and he loves justice. Hold those two words, if you will, that God is righteous and he loves justice. Okay, but back to Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is in the Old Testament, so you can begin to flip there. If you have a real Bible, you can begin to turn there. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 5. And Isaiah is a prophet, right? He's an Old Testament guy who's out there. He's kind of telling the people that they're not doing well. And he's giving them a warning that if they don't change their ways, God's going to send them into exile. Which doesn't make a lot of sense to us today in 2020. But it makes a whole lot of sense back then because all the time kingdoms and nations were on the verge of being slaughtered or taken over or having other people come into their country and take them off into exile. Like, hey, we won the battle. You get to go with us. And, and Isaiah is one of those prophets who is telling the people of Jerusalem, like, hey, you better shape up or ship out, right? You better get your things in order, whatever the vernacular is or the phrase that makes sense to you. But Isaiah is trying to get a job done for the people, and he's putting warning shots. Now, there's times and there's moments that we read Isaiah. We love Isaiah 6. We love Isaiah 9 around the time that, that Jesus comes and gets, is born into Bethlehem because it's a prophetic message that there's going to become, that we're going to come someone who's going to fix the situation. But Isaiah 5 is different territory. And I want you to turn there with me. It's just the first seven verses. And it may seem familiar to you, sound familiar to you, but it's also an opportunity for us to look at a different portion of Scripture in a new way. So, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. The words will be on the screen, but I hope you also have a Bible in front of you. Now, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now, you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. 
I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. And that is where our reading ends today. Do you remember what I told you from Psalm 11, what Pastor Sean read earlier? God is righteous and he loves justice. Seems to be quite fitting with how this quick passage ends right here. Where he expected justice and he found oppression. And he expected righteousness and instead he heard cries of violence. What's going on in Isaiah chapter 5? It's a love song. I don't know about you, but some of the best love songs come out of people who have gone through great pain. You think about Bon Jovi. Like, that guy writes really amazing, great love songs. You know it. Like, even he even goes so far to say that he calls one of his songs, This Ain't a Love Song. And I'm like, yeah, it is, guy. And then you think about Taylor Swift, all of you young fans out there. You love a good Taylor Swift song. Why does she have such good popularity with people? Yes, she sounds great. Yes, she's got great, I mean, things happening on stage when she goes to concerts. But she writes stories about real life because of pain that has come her way. This is a story, and ultimately it's a love song moment, where the writer, Isaiah, is speaking on behalf of God, and he's almost almost giving a love song interpretation of what's going on for the people around him. You can almost imagine if Isaiah was walking into the steps of the temple, right? Because the temple was around back in Isaiah's day, and he had to go to Jerusalem to actually begin to prophetically proclaim how the people were messing up. And he probably did it over and over and over again, like a broken record where he constantly berated the people with how they were not living up to the example that God set. And so on this day, when he speaks Isaiah 5, you can imagine he probably goes to the temple that day and begins to take a different tune, literally, because he says, this is a love song. I want to tell you a love song. And I bet the people probably clued in a little bit. They were like, ooh, it's a love song? That sounds like a different approach than Isaiah's used to doing. And so Isaiah used this flowery language of how God put things into motion. And he describes, hey, there's this vineyard owner who put the vineyard together. It had fertile soil up on a hill. And he began to plant, and he's got a wall that surrounds it, which is protective from everything else that could come and trample down the vineyard. He puts a watchtower, right? We don't put watchtowers all that much anymore, but watchtowers were extremely important back in that day because if you had a watchtower on your land, you could see the coming enemy and you could do something and be prepared for when they came. But not only that, he puts a wine press on the vineyard. Now, why do you need a wine press? Well, if your harvest is going to be grapes, you're going to produce what's called wine. I'm not sure where you stand with wine, but it definitely gets described in the Old Testament, even gets described in the New Testament, and it was an agricultural reality of the people back then. And so they had grapes at their disposal. I'm not sure where you stand on grapes. I've told stories about how grapes have really ruined one of my kids' lives when I forced him to eat a grape when he was little. And it was a low moment for me as a dad. I won, but I didn't. Because by the end of the night, he had thrown up everything. And yeah, I got him to eat the grape, but was it worth it? 
So again, I don't know where you're at on, on, on grapes. I don't even know where you're at on raisins. If you live in California, you know the California raisins. That's like where, where we're at. And a, and a raisin is basically that dried, shriveled up grape. But grapes were the product of that land. And Isaiah, as he's trying to describe, like, hey, God had done everything. He had put everything together so that the people could not make a mistake of it. Except they did. They began to live their own way. They began to do things according to their agenda and not God's. And remember, if God is righteous and he loves justice and he expects certain things of his people, this love song that Isaiah is telling and singing or perhaps even proclaiming over the people is a reminder of how often, even though God put everything together in just the right way, people have messed it up. And if you think about gardens, like even like the vineyard is ultimately a garden where things are, are growing, but the imagery for the people back then would have been like, oh, he's telling a story about a garden. Do you remember the story about the first garden? If you go all the way back to Genesis, when God set things into motion and he makes it amazing and he puts Adam in and Eve in and all the animals of the sea and the birds of the air and it's awesome, but yet they choose their own way and they ruin the garden moment. And this story, this song, this love song that Isaiah is doing is just one other version of that. And he's putting into the people's mind the perspective of God who loves his people so much that he will put things in order. He'll give them a vineyard with rich soil. He'll put the, put the wall around it to protect them. He'll put the watch there so that any advancing army or enemy or threat can be thwarted with preparation. He'll make sure that the heavens send rain. He'll make sure that things are right. But as much as God does all of that, it is still left to us. And the thing is, is we want that, don't we? We want the opportunity to be able to make our own way. God is not in the business of just producing robots who do his bidding. Part of the beauty of this relationship thing that we have with God is that he allows us to actually choose our own way. And the love song that Isaiah is putting together on this day is an example of how people chose their own way. And he describes it in an interesting fashion. He says, I expected good choice grapes from the vine, and what I got was bitter grapes. And for some of you who love grapes, you're like, yeah, there have been times I have tasted the bitter grape. But bitter probably doesn't ultimately get across what we're trying to do. There are people who will even translate this as um, not just as bitter, but decaying. Decaying's probably it. And I've been thinking about this a lot right now because some of the news that we've received this past week here in California is that uh, our friends to the north, up in Northern California, in wine country, in Napa and Sonoma, are being hit with the glass fire right now. And it's approaching all these vineyards. And the storyline is that so many vineyards will not be able to produce the kind of harvest that's needed to actually produce the wine that they try to make. Their livelihood is at stake. Why? Because, well, the smoke and the fire damage is not just taking out uh, the buildings that produce the wine. It's actually causing an effect onto the grapes and the vineyards themselves. And so even if you were to like, harvest the grapes and collect them and, and, and kind of crush them and get the juice that's needed to produce the wine, it would still have 
smoky aromas that's not the kind of smoky aroma that people want in wine, I'm told. They just got to like let it go. They can't do it because it's so bad. So we're not, we're not talking about that right now. But what Isaiah is getting at is like there was an opportunity for people to become great grapes. Like beautifully bountiful, great tasting grapes. And instead what God got was bitter, decaying grapes. There's nothing like decay to make it smell bad. Part of our hope in terms of welcoming people back into this building here at 308 South Glacelle Street in the heart of Orange is that we want to get some things ready. You'll notice a new paint job. You'll notice some changes when you come back because this time, while we haven't been having in-person services and have been able to connect with you online, it has given us a chance to kind of uh, get some things in order and get some things ready. Our building next to us, which is where our kids and our youth typically hang out, um, we really haven't engaged that building all that much in the past six months. Um, but we discovered something a while back. Um, every now and then, we would see this, this crazy bee, uh, or perhaps even a few bees flying around. We're like, oh, what's going on? Well, the building hasn't been active. We don't put a lot of things. There's not something happening in there just kind of thwart that. And eventually, over the past few weeks, we began to notice that there are more and more bees, and there is a smell. And so finally, it got so bad, literally, like, take my word for this. It got so bad that on Tuesday, we had a bee company out. And the guy came in, and, like, he could instantly tell that there was a smell. And he's like, you smell that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm smelling that. And he's like, do you know what that is? And we're like, it doesn't smell good. And he's like, oh, no, 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 that, that's the smell of the sweetness of honey and death. And you're like, that's exactly it, guy, I get it. He's basically like, he figured out where it's at because he looked at the roof line and how some bees had access to it. And he estimated that in one of our storage rooms next door, that there was a 100-pound hive waiting. And so he scheduled a time to come on Friday just a couple days ago. And he spent all day here. And he got rid of the bees. He cut out a portion of the ceiling, was able to get to it. But even the pictures he took and... If you want them, you come to me, I'll show you. But not only were you seeing healthy hives, you were also seeing decaying hives of bees. And there is a smell that is attached to that that is just nasty. This is the decaying nature of these vines that Isaiah is talking about. These are not just bitter grapes or bad grapes. They're decaying grapes, and they smell bad. Because what's a grape for, right? If you think about it, I got, I got some grapes. I got some grapes. We've got some grapes here. Grapes are, they have one job in life, to be crushed. They are going to be crushed in your mouth when you eat them, or they are going to be crushed by the winemaker who's going to press them. Or perhaps, those of you who love a good grape juice, and grape juice is one of those specialty juices that we don't feature in our house all that much, mainly because I'm worried about stains. But grape juice is a beloved juice for my kids. Typically, we're like apple juice people because it's easy. Um, it doesn't stain that bad, but grape juice, every now and then we'll get it. But grapes are to be crushed. They're going to be crushed when you eat it, crushed when you make grape juice, or crushed when you are making wine. And so I've got these grapes here. And you think about it, what comes out of it is what's on the inside, right? I got this cool little wine press, or juice press, I should say. I couldn't get the bigger version, but here for our audience at home, you understand what I'm saying. But you think about the grapes that we have and the grapes that you love, whether you're a green grape, a black grape, a red grape. I wanted those cotton candy grapes. I couldn't find them. But those are good. If you can get a hold of those and at a cheap price, I don't know. 
But you get these grapes, you think about what's on the inside of a grape. What comes out of it is what is indicative of how it has grown. And if Isaiah is talking about grapes that are decrepit and decaying and putting off a smell, there's not a chance that you want to go near. You hold a good grape and you're like, I got that. I want that. But then this talk about fruit gets me thinking about uh, this other portion of, of Scripture in the Bible where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, right? You think about things like love, and joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. gentleness, and self-control. Those seem to be the good kind of flavors that God is hoping come out from his people. And if the imagery or the analogy couldn't be more real for the people in Isaiah's day, he's like, hey, there's going to come a time where you're crushed and you're pressed, and the question is, what comes out? What comes out? Oh, that's sweet. That's good. I mean, you don't even need to send that to a factory. What comes out when you're pressed, when you're crushed? And Isaiah's point to the people of that day is, you are making a mockery of how God set everything up. God set it up perfectly. There were perfect lines of vines. There were perfect conditions for growth to happen. There was protection. There was a watchtower. There was weather. And still, in the midst of the vineyard, there were wild grapes or bad grapes or decaying grapes that began to overtake the vineyard. And the only thing to do, and, and there are winemakers and vineyards, I'll tell you this, the only thing to do when you have had wild grapes take over the vines is you have to just kind of destroy it all. You've got to come through and till the ground and pull up the weeds and get rid of the growth the growth of the wild grape, because they are not helpful to the fruit that God wants to produce. The same thing is true for every single God has put his world into order, and he is hoping for things from us, hoping for the things that Psalm 11 talks about, where there is righteousness and justice, which is the same thing that this passage of Isaiah is talking about. But so often... What comes out is no longer the fruit of justice and righteousness and the goodness therein or the fruits of the Spirit where it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Instead, it's decay. We have let things go bad. We have just let our lives fall apart. We have let our relationship with God suffer so much that there is no good taste or good flavor around us. And here's the thing is, we will be crushed. And not in a way that you think I'm talking about, like, oh, there's the sermon guy again. There's the pastor talking about we're going to get our day in the end. But every single one of us is pressed. You look at a grape, and again, the only purpose of a grape is to be crushed. 
to get the flavor out on the inside. So my question for you and for me is, if we're the grapes, which is what the analogy of this love song is all about, when we're pressed, when we're crushed, what comes out? Is it good? Is it sweet? Or is there bitterness inside? Is there decay? Is there something happening on the inside of your soul that has really affected you? And so while I want to read Scripture and be be diligent in my study and recognize that Isaiah was talking to a specific group of people back then, but when we read this passage in 2020, it speaks volumes to us. Because every single one of us would admit that things aren't great. And we're thinking the world's falling apart right now. The kingdom and the vineyard is falling apart. And God's like, well, we want to taste. Do you want to taste the bitterness of the vineyard that you're a part of? The wild grapes that grow rampant and have their own way? Or do you want to taste the goodness of what God's up to? Do you want to consider how he's building into us the frame that allows us to grow healthy and to do things well and to see the health within our souls and hearts and our minds begin to taste good with what God's doing? Because every single one of us is growing a a fruit of some kind. The question is, is, is it worthy to be kept? Is it a grape worth keeping, or does it need to be thrown out? And where are you at this week? Because I see things around me all the time that I wonder, am I adding to help, or am I taking away from it? Am I just falling victim to the bitterness that is growing around me? Or am I a vine that is firmly planted that can grow grapes and the fruit and the yield that God is hoping for? What kind of grape are you? It's a simple question. But my hope is that you consider what's the soil that you're planted in? What's the ground that you're a part of? Where's the foundation of your life? Is God allowed to have his way in your heart and soul? Or is it all on your own agenda? Are you doing things your way? Are you missing out on what God has for you because you're hoping to just get whatever you want out of life? And for me... I'm convicted when I come across words like this in Scripture where it tells me that if I'm left to my own devices, I will become wild and decrepit and decaying and smell bad. Every single one of us has been around someone that smells bad. I'm not just talking about physically. Yeah, you might hang around with some European friends. They don't use deodorant like other people do. But what I'm really talking about is if you've been around the person that smells bad on the inside, when you hang out with them, you're like, oh, that... That does not smell good. It smells like death. It smells like decay. It doesn't smell like good grapes. It doesn't smell like the good vine. And God is calling us into new life and saying to, him, to us yet again, would you consider how I have set things up and would you take full advantage of what I can offer? But he's not going to force us. The beauty of who God is, he's not going to force us. So my challenge to you this week 
is lean into the fruits of the Spirit. Areas of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-roll into areas of justice and righteousness. And the areas of your life that will come flashing towards you this week where you are tempted to go the way of the world into bitterness and into decay, choose the life that God gives and allow him to produce the good fruit on the inside. Let's pray. God, we want to be a part of your vineyard. We want to be a part of what you have set up, and we want to make sure that the lives that we lead resemble your kingdom. Because the world that we're a part of is desperate for you. The world that we're a part of is filled with oftentimes just nothing but bad news. And they are desperate for good news. May we be the kind of choice fruit in the lives of the people around us that they sense the sweetness of what's happening on the inside in our souls and our hearts and recognize that we are connected to someone, something, someone greater than us that has written a story that has welcomed us into a reality that is different what's around us. And it looks so often, God. You have calls to be your people in this world. We want to show you off all the time. You are good and worthy and amazing. But may what's happening on the inside of our souls resemble the health and the growth that you're doing. If there are ugly areas of my life, would you help me get rid of them? If there are areas that smell like death, would you heal me and prune me of that? If I have been, if I have been bitter, if I have espoused bitterness around me, God, would you heal my language, my heart, that I might bring the life-giving words of your kingdom to people. We want to see you at work this week, God. So open our eyes and open our ears. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at RefugeChurchOC. We hope to see you again soon.